time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. Portrait of a town drunk named Al Denton. This is a man who's begun his dying early. A long, agonizing route through a maze of bottles. Al Denton, who would probably give an arm or a leg or a part of his soul to have another chance. To be able to rise up and shake the dirt from his body and the bad dreams that infest his consciousness. In the parlance of the times, this is a peddler. A rather fanciful-looking little man in a black frock coat. And this is the third principal character of our story. Its function, perhaps to give Mr. Al Denton his second chance. Episode three of The Twilight Zone is Mr. Denton on Doomsday. And, uh, you know, when you, when you see the title of that, you would think that it's, uh, you know, going to be some sort of sci-fi uh, affair. But uh, it's it's literally exactly the opposite. We're going back to the Old West, partners. Yes, the the first of many <laughs> uh, Old West episodes, and uh, you know, with a few exceptions, um, I, I I tend to not be a fan of those. Like, yeah, uh, you know, hundred yards over the rim. Uh-huh. That's not really a Western episode. It's, it sort of is, but it isn't. But you know, so so they. The one thing you'll notice, especially uh, when you watch a, a Twilight Zone marathon, you know, like on New Year's Eve, uh, is they they had like I, I know they had somebody do a score for for the series, but they reused a lot. And so depending on the theme of the episode, you oh, can yeah. kind of tell, like, you know, just based on the music. And uh, whenever whenever there was that harmonica playing, I was just like, oh, oh, here we go. But yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I, I would never check out on it because, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm watching it on TV. You know, of course. Right? So I'm not, I'm not skipping the episode or anything. I'm like, well, a, a Western episode is better than no Twilight Zone at all. <laughs> um, exactly. But, but it was always one where I'm like, oh, oh, here we go. Why do you think there were so many? I mean, clearly, you know, during that time, you know, you're going to have, God knows how many you know, popular movies in in the 10, 20 years prior to the Twilight Zone premiering were Westerns. But like, why, why do you think that was such a prevalent story to tell or a, a most frequent story to tell, especially in the Twilight Zone? Is it because like, you know, I, we had talked about this in the first episode, the space being a frontier and the old West being a frontier, or is that too much of a reach? Well, no, I think that uh, um, a lot of it was probably driven by practical concerns. Yeah. Because, like, like you said, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Bonanza is, is on the air and kind of at its height at the time. There's a lot of Western TV and and, um, and movies going on at the same time. So they were kind of, I, I would imagine budget-wise, they were kind of limited to, like, what was available on the back lot. <laughs> yeah. And so, like that would have been readily available. So there was a lot okay. of empty space out in the, uh, yeah. the California. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of empty space. There's a lot of you know old Western town sets. Yeah. So it's probably readily available. So they probably knew okay to to be able to afford a little bit a little bit more. It was sort of their version of a bottle episode. Like yeah. you know, 
we're, we're gonna we're gonna save on sets to do that. So, so me being the the unimaginative guy who only thinks of practical concerns, um, <laughs> that's why I'm thinking they probably did uh, did a, a few western episodes. Um, but and also there there was um, you know it may have been that uh, because westerns were all over the place that they thought um, you know they're popular so let's do that right now yeah of course um and this... and i think that i think that you know um serling you know you can't tell every story in space so you start <laughs> thinking okay what environment can i take this morality play that i'm trying to do and where, where can i put it there where it won't involve martians you know this might also be the first uh the first episode we encounter with a major star we talked about uh um, the the guy from Jaws last week. Hey, that it's pretty major star. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Mar- he, he he changed the course of history. One could argue he he did. Yes, if it weren't for him, there wouldn't have been a Jaws three. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> or the what's what's the Jaws where the shark like uh, swims down the eastern seaboard to seek revenge on his on his oh dad. It, that's that's uh, appropriately enough titled Jaws the Revenge. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. The shark is where where literally uh, uh, Chief Brody's wife gets her moment in the sun, and uh, apparently that's a it's a shark becoming intelligent enough to to chase her around the globe. Oh God! Does but uh, you know. It, uh, Michael Caine is in that. Which I is... was about to say, doesn't Michael Caine show up? Yeah. Oh man, he he once said about that about that role. I uh, I hate that movie, but I love the house it paid for. That's a that's a really good way to look at it. <laughs> oh God. Well, uh, what I do enjoy about this uh, dynamic that we have, Keith, is that we can very succinctly close off the rabbit holes that we go into. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But yeah, Martin Landau is in Mr. Denton on Doomsday. And it's not even like the main guy. No. (laughs) I I, I know it's probably like 59 or yeah. Yeah. First season. So it's 59. You know, he he was, he was already a, a a big name by then. There was um, a woman uh, named uh, Jean Cooper who played, who plays the woman in the, in the episode, Liz yeah. Smith. And, and again, these, these stories are pretty simple. So there's basically the woman. <laughs> and uh, she was on the young and the restless for 40 years. Wow. Now the thing about, uh, about uh, uh, Martin Landau is, uh, and, and it's funny that you mentioned it because when I was rewatching it and again, it's, it's a Western. So it's one that I never really paid all the much attention to, but when yeah. I was rewatching it, you know, for, for this, I'm looking at that and I go, man, that guy looks a lot like Martin Landau. Yeah, it's nuts. Okay. And then I had to look it up. I'm like, what? Holy wait, shit, wait, that was Martin Landau. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wonder how that uh, how that even came to be because you know, you know, geez, I'm not, I'm not sure where that was in his career, but you know, I know I saw him in stuff that was before 1959. You know, so. his it looks like he was in North by Northwest in 1959. Okay, yeah, that that's actually what I was what I was um what I was wondering is where would that fit into into um North by Northwest because that was that was definitely something that would have been that era. Yeah. And again, you know, if if we talk about like 
1959, like um, Twilight Zone, that this would have been probably, you know, towards the end of October by the time it. Uh, well, and, and it's worth pointing out that, um, you know, as, as I mentioned, I think in the in the first episode, um, Rod Serling, I, I think some people tend to forget that Rod Serling, like, had a career before the Twilight Zone and had won yeah. a couple of Emmys. So even very early on in the Twilight Zone, like he probably could have gotten some big name people just because of of his past writing. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so that that may may literally be why they were able to uh, able to get him. But uh, as I'm as I'm scrolling through uh, IMDb, I mean, it was fairly early in his career. But uh, oh oh no no, I actually figured out why he was uh, he was on there. Was it the Gunsmoke episode? No, he actually was in uh, two episodes of Playhouse 90. Oh, there so you go. He and, he and Rod Serling would have known each other, and, and he probably said, hey, Marty, can you do me a solid? <laughs> the rest, as they say, is history. So, <laughs> so again, see, here I am being completely unimaginative and just thinking of practical things. They knew no, each other. They were, they were buddies from Playhouse 90. <laughs> that's that's why he was on Mr. Denton on Doomsday. And... Um, you know, as usually tends to be the case, playing kind of a jerk. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, so a, a couple things uh, jumped out at me. Um, first of all, um, what? First of all, basically, and, and I don't know. Someone would have to ask Mel Brooks this. Uh huh. But it's basically the Waco Kid from Blazing Saddles. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Because he's he's the best gunfighter in the West. And then one day, uh, because, uh, well, in this case, he kills a kid. Yeah. In the case of the Waco kid, they flip that around. (laughs) Uh, uh, But, you know, because he kills a kid, he he just crawls into a bottle and doesn't get out, as uh, as the Waco kid said. Um, so, so I, you know, literally the whole time I'm watching that episode, you know, from the time he sort of tells his tale of woe on, I'm like, he's the Waco kid. <laughs> I wonder if uh, if Mel Brooks got some uh, some inspiration from that. It could be. Yeah, just decided okay. to flip it and reverse it. Uh, we'll have to ask uh, Mel Brooks's son uh, Max Brooks to ask him through the window. Uh, <laughs> you know, hey, did you? Was there a little bit of inspiration there? You know, as the author of the uh, the zombie survival ha- uh, handbook, Max Brooks might be the one to ask about everything right now. <laughs> yeah, he he would be a good person to have in your corner. <laughs> oh man! Well, let's get into this. Um, so, is there anything that sets this apart from the typical Wild West episodes, the the Western episodes for you? Well, I know that there's uh, there's another episode, so. There's another Western episode specifically where basically you've got this uh, this traveling salesman who comes into town and uh, is, is going to fix everybody's problem. Except yeah. the other one, uh, I, I I'm I'm drawing a blank on the uh, on the name. Eventually, we will get to it in this in this podcast, obviously. Uh, but there's a there's a, 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 a basically a, a con man who comes into a, an old West town and he says he can raise the dead. And so he tries yeah. to swindle all these people out of the out of their money, and they 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 all give him give him their money, and then eventually they they realize, 
hey, we kind of hated all these people who died. Can we just like, like keep them dead? And so they give them a bunch of more money to keep them dead. And then the, the twist at the very end is as the guy is leaving town, the camera pans over to the cemetery and you see all the people coming out. And they're like, yeah, that, this guy knows what he's doing, huh? Yeah. Boy, I can't wait to see my husband and just kick his ass. <laughs> I completely forgot about that episode. And that is the perfect mix, I think, of comedy and horror in the Twilight Zone. The best mix that they that that they ever did. Um, because it is like kind of funny when they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I hated my husband. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see my husband. Oh, wait, I... You know, I kind of hated him. <laughs> it, and literally for everybody, they're like, yeah, we were kind of better off without them. Why, why, don't we just, why don't we just keep them dead? There's uh, there's very, very little of the goofiness uh, with Mr. Denton goes to Doomsday or Mr. Denton on Doomsday. Yeah. Um, but uh, Al Denton is known as the, the quickest draw in the town. Um, but he uh, he murdered a kid and now he's an alcoholic because of it. Yeah, and uh, you get uh, a bunch of uh, weird scenes of uh, of him trying to sing uh, "How Dry I Am." Which, yeah, which I think it's actually for some reason that that's what that's what rubbed me the wrong way. Like I just didn't like that. Yeah, that um, it's uh, that was always disturbing to me, and it always made me wonder the first time I heard "How Dry I Am," where that was. I don't know if it was The Simpsons or or something else, but um, <clears throat> I remember seeing, you know, this episode as, you know, an eight or nine year old or whatever, like I said, you know, during a new year's Eve or new year's day, uh, marathon. And it's like, Oh, I've heard that song before, but, um, so yeah. I, I'm sure it didn't come from twilight zone, but in, in my yeah. head canon, it did. Yeah. <laughs> my head canon. It's just from this episode. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a disturbing part of this episode, but, um, so Mr. Denton is Al Denton is down on his luck. Um, and he, I'm trying to remember cause I watched this a week ago and your memory might be a little bit better, but um, he, he, ru- he, he rubs a, uh, he rubs a, a much better gun gunslinger the wrong way. Um, or is it the so salesman? It's, it's not to, to me, at least it wasn't quite clear what happens at the beginning, but so the, the, the Martin Landau character is kind of, you know, poking and prodding him. Yeah. And he, um, he just, I, I think it's basically like he picks up a magic gun that just fires and, and kind of on its own and shoots the guy right in the hand. So he, he'll quit bothering him. And, uh, presumably, um, the, the, this, cause he basically just picks up the gun. And so presumably the gun is from, the salesman that comes into town because it's like ba- basically it's right by his his uh, his wagon. It picks up the gun and and um, the the salesman says, "Oh well, I guess I guess it's yours now." And then he goes into the bar and and shoots the guy in the hand. Because of that, his word travels yeah. immediately, like literally within minutes. Denton's uh, back. Yeah, Denton's back, and uh, some some uh, some out of towner says uh hey i hear you're pretty good with a gun and uh i'm gonna be in town he sends his henchman and says he's gonna be in town tomorrow he wants to wants to see you and by see you i mean you know shoot each other (laughs) what i um, you you talked about this last week um with mr death um and rod serling's awesome naming of uh (laughs) 
<laughs> of characters. The yeah. salesman's name is Henry J. Fate. Right. And then, uh, so, so after, you know, Denton learns that, uh, this guy is coming in and, uh, you know, he thinks he's probably going to die. He, he looks out and he sees the uh, salesman standing there by his wagon and he goes out and, and talks to him and, uh, he hands him uh, a little bottle and says, Hey, uh, you know, drink this. It'll make you, uh, it'll make you the best, uh, best gun shooter around. And so he has him, uh, you know, shoot a lamp and he's, he's able to, uh, to, to shoot it and um then uh he says uh, oh how much do i owe you for this and he says oh no charge just think of it as the night uh, fate stepped in because his name is fate <laughs> of see, course see what they did there um <clears throat> and then um uh the next day the uh the 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 outer towner comes in they uh, they meet in the saloon which usually, you know, the Old West, they had their shootouts in the middle of the street. Yeah. For some reason here, they're having it in the uh, saloon. <laughs> and uh, he takes his uh, the swig of his uh, little magic bottle. And then as he's turning around, he notices the other guy has exactly the same bottle and just straight to Yeah, completely so empty. They, uh, they basically shoot each other at exactly the same time. They both hit each other in the hand, so they're not able to shoot guns anymore. And then uh, uh, Denton says, you know, this is a blessing. You've, you've been saved. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've, we've, we've both been blessed and now we, we don't have to do this anymore. And, uh, so fate stepped in and, and now neither of them will die in, in, in gunfights. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's the first in a series that I'm sure we'll see again and again, just the theme of not necessarily pacifism, but like, you know, what, honestly, what's the point in a duel? <laughs> like right. you know you've besmirched me good sir let's try and murder each other i demand like, satisfaction exactly like you know it just walk away and i i i think like again it's not a heavy-handed uh anti-violence theme but you know it's it's simple and it, it goes to what you said uh, um a couple weeks ago about like well yeah of course that's right you know yeah and, and it's it, it's not it's not even saying um uh you know like you you shouldn't uh, hold people accountable or of course anything like that it's just hey isn't just you know standing in the middle of the street or in this case in the in a saloon <laughs> and just shooting at each other isn't that kind of dumb <laughs> oh my god this and, um and, and believe it or not there were there were people out there who needed to hear that message <laughs> Actually, come to think that there's plenty of people in Chicago who could probably hear that message right now. <laughs> Apparently enough that Rod Serling had to write an episode on one of the three channels in 1959 to communicate yeah, yeah. that message. Um, the, but, the you one, know, message, message delivered, though. <laughs> the one bit of trivia that I see on uh, on the Twilight Zone wiki is that this is one of five episodes to include an I and not a spiral at the introduction. Really? The other four being in season one, A World of His Own, The Mighty Casey, The After Hours, and Mr. Beavis. Uh, I've got a good uh, piece of trivia on uh, A World of His Own, mm. uh, but uh, we'll save that for when we're actually talking about it. Of course. Uh, you know, I, I, had, I had basically two observations from this episode. The first is obviously the one I already said, that this is... the. Uh, Al Denton is basically the Waco kid. Yeah. And uh, now I want to do, you know, some sort of deep dive and find out 
if that's actually what was happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, really, the the story's just fairly universal. So I don't I don't think you know I don't think I don't think Mel Brooks was actually ripping off Rod Serling, but you never know. I mean, they they probably knew each other. They're probably friendly. Yeah, it's. I think this is one of those episodes, and th- there are a fair bit. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm in love with this show. I'm sure you you are too. That's why we're that's why we're here. But this is more a, a sign of the times where, you know, we talked about last week where Rod Serling only had 22 minutes to tell the story. So like, she got hit by a truck and she's in she's in her home. Um, but there are other scripts like this one where not a lot really happens and you feel like this could have been a five minute short. Yeah. But yeah. So instead of trying to cram like a two hour movie into 22 minutes, this was cramming five hours into 22 minutes. Yeah. Or five minutes into 22 minutes. <laughs> exactly. And uh, my, other, my other observation, uh, and this is very important. And, and this goes back to uh, when I was a youngin watching this episode for the first time. Um, I'm watching this and I'm literally thinking, why is that man drinking model paint? <laughs> because literally you look at the I bottle and it looks that. like, it looks like, <laughs> it looks like a bottle of like Tester's model paint. Oh my Except God. They, they, they painted it silver. Oh. Other than that, it literally looks exactly like it. So that, that, that was my big takeaway. Um, when I was, uh, you know, probably, you know, like six or seven watching it for the first time. Yeah. And rewatching it now, literally, same thought popped into my head. Why is he drinking model paint? <laughs> the Twilight Zone will do that to you. And you can spend the rest of your life wondering that. You might go crazy one day just walking around a, a, a home for the for the mentally ill. Why was he drinking model paint? <laughs> no, the, like when I when I die, if I make it and I'm up in heaven and I, I get a chance to ask Rod Serling, dude, why was he eating? Was he drinking model paint? <laughs> he'll probably answer that question for you, and then he'll say, "If you see Lou, Lou Bookman around, do not tell him where I am. <laughs> the guy will not leave me alone." Uh, so. I, I think that's pretty much all you can say about uh, Mr. Denton on Doomsday. Um, you know, again, in, in my estimation, it's a Western episode, probably not uh, Sterling's best work, but it's still entertaining in its own way. Yeah, sure. And uh, and, and next week we're going to tackle uh, the ravages of aging. The, uh, the 16 millimeter shrine. Mr. Henry Fate, dealer in utensils and pots and pans, liniments and potions. A fanciful little man in a black frock coat who can help a man climbing out of a pit or another man from falling into one. Because you see, fate can work that way in the Twilight Zone. Gabatron?